hi everybody this is Julissa. thank you so much for coming back to my channel and if you're listening in the podcast thank you so much for being here it is january 27 2024 i'm here to do a video uh, episode follow-up regarding the Michelle Trucones trial um, regarding the disappearance of Jennifer Dulos out of New Canaan four years ago. So let me just tell you something. I have been following this case very closely um, in case you do, don't know, but you can also follow me on Twitter or the ads that they call now and you will see me daily there tweeting about the case as it comes on um Every, every day now, Monday to Friday, every day at 10 a.m. So let me just tell you something. I've been following this case since the beginning, since I first heard that a man from New Canaan was missing. So this past week, seeing all the evidence and seeing everything, um, the photos and things like that, I think it was Tuesday this week. It got very real for me when I saw the bloody clothing of Jennifer Dulos and i was like wow she is she is actually dead she actually died it's almost like i still had hope that you know because there were so many things said about maybe she just you know she's the gone mom which you don't believe stuff like that because she was so dedicated to her kids but they say it so often you're like okay maybe you know perhaps it's a possibility also i didn't realize that right behind waveney park where her car was found there's actually a train station i had no idea about that even though i go there a lot um but i learned that from watching this case the michelle troconis case but anyways so seeing the bloody clothing of me uh jennifer Dulos this past week it was like I just stood in silence. I'm like, wow, this, she actually died. It was very graphic, guys. And I'm going to say some things here that could be very graphic. So this is just your warning. But let me just tell you something. Let me just tell Watching the interrogation videos of Michelle Droconis, I still know that she is involved somehow. She she's covering for Dulos big time. And you see the video of, of her being interrogated back in June of 2019. This woman, she is almost like playing a character. Um, this is just my opinion about this whole thing. It's almost like you want to tell her, you know, like shut up and just say it, okay? Like stop pretending that you speak Spanglish, even though you are communicating very well. You know, like English is not my first language, and if if I come here, guys, and I know I, I do a lot of content in Spanish too, but it bothers me to do like. Start in English and continue and just dropping Spanish words. It's so annoying for me. I cannot imagine somebody listening to it, you know, and even me listening to somebody speak uh, Spanglish when it comes to, and, you know, giving a statement, you, you can be like, come on, pick a language, okay, stop it. And for her, like, there is something about Michelle Troconis from what I noticed, her being in that room full of detectives and being interrogated about a missing mom. And they're telling her, you know, we found blood, for this is, is not really talking to us. You know, there's evidence that he was dumping bags with her clothing and there's blood. The way she's communicating, there's something about, from what I'm, my opinion, like I said, it's almost like she's playing this character and she's using her best manipulation tactics to also get out of the situation with the detective 
you know, she will throw a lot of Spanish words, you know, and she's like, oh, come on, like, well, you know, I don't know. And then she can be so specific to the point, like, she actually, at one point, she said, oh, I had my period, so I went to the bathroom. Like, who needs to know that? Just say you went to Starbucks and you went straight to the bathroom. You don't need to give a specific detail to the point that it is so irrelevant. It's almost like she's she's playing this character, and that's what I was tweeting about. It can be so annoying to sometimes listen to her because it's like, come on, you're not fooling anybody, okay? And I understand, guys, that the mind our mind can go crazy, and we always trying to find somebody who's guilty or something and say this is the person, specifically in a case like this when we know that photos is no longer here. But let me just tell you something. I still believe that Michelle Troconis is involved. Also, after watching the photos from Jennifer Dulo's home, the garage, and to see that there were two panchos, okay, and to see that there were little dots of blood as, as, uh, on the side of that car that was at the garage, I think it was the Range Rover, that she was supposed supposedly supposed to be driving. To see that and to see like the little blood that was found in the front uh, fender of that car also, it just tells me that the cleaning was so meticulous. It's almost like, wow, they barely found any blood. It's not like they found a lot of blood. It was so meticulously, there had to be another person involved in that garage. I don't know, like, I, I don't see photos just, you know, I I don't know the man, obviously I didn't know him, but anything like that. But the cleanup and all of that, there was another person with him. There was another person, guarantee. There is no way. There is. There was another person there. They also found two punches, like I said. And you have to understand, those zip ties, they were huge also. Okay? They were huge. And I cannot help to think that there wasn't like, okay, check everything, make sure there's nothing left, you know, and let's get out of here. There was another person there. Because even the wipes, um, you see him, the wipes, the cleanup and all of that. Um, you have to understand, the, the bloody clothing of Jennifer shows showed to us that the attack was very severe. Because they, they were soaked in blood, okay? So... At some point, they got all the paper towels from the kitchen. And you have to understand the back and forth, coming back to the garage, going to the kitchen. Somebody was a second lookout. There has to be somebody else looking out to see maybe the cleaning lady was coming early. Somebody was looking out to see if any drop, anything was dropped, any paper towels were dropped in the, in the garage. Because you have to understand, whoever did the hurt, the the harming, it was probably covered in blood. That punch was covered in blood. So there's no way there was not another person checking to see if there's anything left behind. And obviously, they didn't do a good job because they missed. Thank God for that. Because we, we, you know, once the blood was found, then they, they knew immediately something had happened. So some there was two people there. There was two people there. He probably rode the bike. I was, we saw him on the surveillance camera from Wheat Street in New Canaan, riding the bike. But 
one other thing that I learned, these people had a lot of cars. So I hope that when they were looking for that, they were just looking for Foto's car. He had a lot of cars and Michelle drove two different cars. She at some point says she will drive the Suburban. They also had a 2017 Suburban, I think. And then she also drove the white Jeep Cherokee. So there was, they had a lot of cars. So something strange, you know, and she keeps, I feel like watching her and saying how she was like afraid of Jennifer. At some point she actually says she was afraid because Jennifer had borderline personality disorder. She had a, a eating disorder. And then she's like, she also had depression going on. She's like, I was afraid that she might come and harm me. And, and Nicole, which is her daughter. Let me tell you something. It's almost like a projection effect going on here because a person who steals money always thinks that somebody else is going to steal from them, okay? So for her to be so paranoid about, you know, I don't know, Jennifer is going to be my life and she has all these problems. And like I went to a psychologist and I talked to, to her like, first of all, you're the one who she were living with her husband, that she had to move out of that home after she found out about the affair like and then he he's asking her to allow you to come in and live with them with your daughter and she's like oh paranoid you know like jennifer's gonna hurt her there's a projection going on there and that thing that police should look into that the detective they should definitely point that out People, when they steal, they, you know, you never want to work with somebody who has a history of stealing because at some point they're going to assume somebody else is doing that to them because the projection is like, okay, everybody else is the same, right? So that's something else. Something else that I cannot um, figure out, man. I've been, I've been searching like crazy. The way Jennifer Dulo's clothing was cut in half like that, down to the center all the way in the half there's something off with that because that's like a very um professional way to cut somebody's clothing and when i say professional way i mean that when there is a life saving situation going on right and they bring in the paramedics you always see it you always see them cutting right the clothes, right to the center, trying to, to do whatever it is that they need to do, right? They cut it right through the center. It, was, it wasn't just a shirt that was cut right through the center. It's also the bra. And I'm thinking to myself, that is a, a very professional signature that, that was left on the clothing. Because you have to understand, there is no body. We don't have, we don't have the body. With, she doesn't want to say what the body is, right? So you're thinking, wait a second, this is a very, a professional will only do something like that. Because when there is like, we see from, from history, when crimes are committed and they, 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 the assailant, I guess you can say, you know, buries the body or something, they, they might remove some clothing, you know, I did some research about it, but cutting it like that, and then removing the clothing, you have to understand this is soaked in blood. Removing the clothing, it tells you like, that's just like so unusual. The way the clothing is cut up, it's almost like, it's like somebody panicked at one point 
I don't know, like, I don't, this is what I'm getting. Somebody panicked. And then they were trying to reverse something back. Because the way the clothing was cut, all the way through the center, including the bra, the bra there's that, that's what paramedics do. That's what EMS, that, that's what doctors do in a life-saving situation. And you can do your research about it too. So another thing, before I continue and end this video, another thing from this case is that she did talk a lot, Turconis. She did talk a lot. And she also mentioned how that Wednesday, as we know, um, through Lauren Almeida, the nanny, she said that Fotis was supposed to see the kids. I think it was that Wednesday. And he got there late. And they were going to go to Grace Farms. But Grace Farm closes early. I think I mentioned that in one of my videos. So they decided to meet in the backyard at the Dulu's home, right? And Jennifer agreed. And, but she said he's not allowed to come in the house. She was terrified of him. So Lauren said, call me back when he's out of there. I'm going to go. She was doing something with one of the kids in town because she didn't want to be around for this. So they're doing the visitation in the in the backyard. So Michelle is being asked about that. So that day when he comes back that Wednesday, she said, um, I was questioning him because he said he went to the visitation happened at their home, not at Grace Farms. And I was mad at him. And he kept following me saying, Mish, Mish, or let's talk about it. And she's like, I, I was so mad at him. So that's the motive. She had fed up. This woman was fed up already. You have to understand. It's, it's what this wanted to, but like, okay. When Jennifer said, to the divorce lawyers or the the court she said i'm afraid he might harm me physically because once i file for a divorce remember that was back in 2017. she went missing in may 2019. so for this half from 2017 when she filed for a divorce and moved out of the home too with the kids right he had all that time if his intention was to actually do something bad and Maybe he, you know, I'm sure he thought about it. And because we see that Lauren testified how she was terrified of him. Jennifer said it at the court too, how she was, he might hurt her. But you have to understand, 2017 to 2019, he had all the time. And then the fight happened between Michelle and Fotis about him going to Jennifer. And she also mentioned that he was he was definitely playing mind games with her too, trying to make her jealous, I guess. I don't know. He was very egotistic, right? He said, you know, she's talking to me. We're testing back and forth. And, you know, Jennifer was terrified of him. She didn't want him in the home. She locked all the doors when they were there for the visitation in the patio. So, no, that was a lie. He was just saying that to Michelle. So at some point, you have to understand, this is what I'm getting at, guys. Michelle said that she was concerned about Jennifer maybe harming her or her daughter because she was having borderline personality disorder. And that she went to, to the police to try to do something, she said. She said that in the video and then nothing, she couldn't do anything in the, maybe, perhaps, who knows, this is just my opinion. Maybe she was trying to get a restraining order against Jennifer. She also mentioned at one point Jennifer was recording her when she, they met at Farmington at the house for a drop-off of the kids for visitation. And she said that Jennifer, she noticed that Jennifer Dulles was recording her. 
So now she's pointing the picture that she was terrified of him. So yeah, she got mad at Fotis for having the visitation in their home that week because they couldn't go to Grace Farm. And she actually said, I was so mad at him. We were fighting and he kept following me and she, she went to Nicole's room and locked the door because she didn't want to talk to him. I think some type of ultimatum was given to Fotis at that point. And I think I, I somehow I missed this, but they found the two ponchos soaked in blood. I'm gonna pause right here. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for coming back to my channel, listening in the podcast. So continuing on with the Michelle Turconis case, what I was saying before was, I believe that that week they had a huge, a huge argument, Michelle Turconis and Fotis, because she got upset. She says it. She got upset that, you know, she uh, realized that Fotis had the visitation with the kids at Jennifer's home in the patio. And then he's planting on her head saying how they're testing back and forth and telling her you're ready to be a mom of six and this and that. Let me tell you something. These two, Michelle and Fotis, they work together. They work together and they do a lot of cleanup together. So it was to me... They, they needed to have in that garage, in that home of Jennifer Dulos, he needed to have somebody else to be there for us to look out. There was no way he was going to risk all of that. There was no way, guys. I cannot see him risking all of that. He could have been interrupted by the cleaning lady. He could have been interrupted by... um. The nanny coming up, maybe maybe Jennifer's mom just randomly showing up. Um, these are like anybody that could have been doing yard work and f- find him like doing something like that in the garage. He needed another person there to be the lookout. And like I said, Michelle and Fotis did a lot of did a lot of um, it, like hands-on work together. She says it herself. They were cleaning out a home for a client. They were doing this together. They were throwing out garbage bags together. So for her to act in this interrogation videos, like, oh, I don't know, I was cooking the, the food and like we were gonna eat. And then, you know, I went to Nicole's room because it was thundering. Like, I don't see this being escape from their daily, daily, um, life. This man committed something so big as taking the life of his his children's mom to drive to another town, which is about an hour away, in somebody else's car, that is not even him, to ride a bike from that park to the house. Like, to have Pancho zip ties, like, this is not Fotis planning all of that by himself. There is no way he planned all of that. There is no way he was doing that all by himself. He has somebody there with him. I'm not saying that they rode the bike together, nothing like that. But because they have multiple different cars, 
there was some type of, you know, I'll meet you there type of thing. And what I was saying about the clothing, I found it so interesting that it got cut like that. But that way of the clothing being cut, that way of the clothing being cut like that, you have to understand, when there is a passion killing, this is from me reading like stories about signatures and people that commit crimes like that. They don't like to look at the victim's face. That's you can look at statistics. They don't like to look for for them. I don't want to get too graphic here. There's a lot of um. That's a lot of handling of the body to cut the clothes like that and then to take it out from the body and then to for them to be put in a trash bag to end up someplace else. That's a lot of handling of the body already bringing, being brought all the way from like another town, which is like an hour, 15 minutes away, kind of. That's a lot of handling of the body for one person to commit the act and to do that. That's too much. I like, I don't know how to explain. Like, these are not people who, I mean, as far as I know, this is not, this is not people who do this on a day-to-day basis. It's too much of a handle of, of a, a body of somebody you know that you have kids with. Like, I don't know if people are missing that point. And the signature is so professional. The way the cut of the clothing is, that's what doctors do in an emergency situation. That's what paramedics do in an emergency situation, trying to save somebody. And the other thing I'm going to say is this. My family, my parents, we always learn, right, from our parents. We always learn from our parents. We learn their, what they do for a living when we grow up. They always like to take us to their workplace and they show us what they do, you know, so we can feel proud for, you know, about what they do. And they, you know, we meet their coworkers, you know, they spend so much time at work and so we meet the coworkers and all of that. And you learn from that. That's why a lot of the times, um, Parents have kids that end up doing the same thing that they done, right? So you can see it in famous singers, you see it in doctors, you see it in so many things, right? And people are like, oh, you're going to be a singer just like your dad. You're going to be this just like your dad. So it kind of, they say, there's a saying, I don't want to mess it up, but you, you turn to a lot of like 80% of families, the kids usually end up doing what their dad do for a trade. And you learn as you're growing up, they show you little things and little bits and things of what they do because they do it every day and you're always with them, right? When they come home from work. In my case, my mom, she used to do, she in the Dominican Republic, she would do, she was a laparomist. So a lot of, she would do blood work. She, she worked at a clinic, right? So when I was like, if, if I had an appointment, I would go half a day with her because, you know, it was right there. So I will, you know, I will see her working, you know, talking to the patients and things like that, putting the little, um, what is that thing, the rubber thing that they put in your arms so they can take the blood work, things like that, right? And then she would show me things around the office and she's like, this is what you do normally. And then the little um, testing tool filled, filled with the blood. And then she said, you put it here, things like that. You learn things like that. Even though you're young, they're just showing you around, right? And then my dad, 
working television. So I remember, I'll never forget going to New York to a TV studio. Um, my dad did radio. He still does television. He did radio and TV. And he also did other stuff, too. He showed me that, too, like a lot of artistic type of thing. And I remember one day he took me and my sister to a TV studio in New York City. I will never forget that. I'm like, I love it here. And look what I'm doing now. But anyways, it's so crazy. But I'm like, look at the cameras. Look at the lights and the set. And he's like, I wanted, I wanted you guys to come and look at the TV studio, right? What I'm getting is that we always learn little things like that. Even if it's not something that we like to do, we're so young to even decide back then when we're younger. But we see what our parents do for a living. So I'm just going to say right there, I think it's quite interesting that the clothing was found in that cut of style. Like the bra was already, it was hooked the bra, the bra in, in the back. But it was cut through the center. The same thing with the shirt. I'm just going to say, I wonder what, what her parents do for a living. Does anybody know? Anyways, thank you so much for coming back to my channel. Have a good day, everybody. God bless.